Welcome to Achieve Wealth through Value Add Real Estate Investing. This is the show where the guru hype is banned and you get direct insights from commercial real estate operators. If you're a passive investor, this show can help you better understand investment opportunities. And if you're an active investor, the lessons from each episode can help you to become more effective in your own deals. Now, here's your host, investor and author, James Kandasamy. Hi, this is James Kandasamy. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate you. I know I provide a lot of value through this podcast and I want you to share it with your friends, with your families and anybody else that you know that kind of benefit from listening to this kind of content. Go share it through Facebook, into LinkedIn, through Twitter, through Instagram or any other channels that you want to share it because sharing is caring. Thank you. Let's go on with the show. Hey, audience and listeners, this is James Kandasamy from Achieve Wealth Through Value at Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have uh, Brian Ellis from Accredited IQ Magazine. And Brian is one of the most respected financial pitch men in America. He commands rates up to 25000 per day to create webinars, uh, pitches and presentation for syndicators and other high net worth uh, uh, individuals and high-end financial opportunities. And he also hosts the self-directed uh, investor podcast with more than you know uh, 1, million do- 1 million downloads. And it's a publisher of Self-Director Investor Magazine, Self-Directed Investor Magazine. And uh, he also publishes his own uh, investing letter. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, James. I appreciate you you're inviting me to be here with you today. I look forward to chatting with you. Awesome, awesome. So I can see very nice... Uh, uh, you know, uh, a video of you, right, with your all your presentations. So that's really cool. And I need to learn something from you about that. So <laughs> that's good. That's good. So can you tell our audience a little bit more about yourself uh, versus what I've told uh, just now? Sure. Well, James, I, I spent most of my career uh, serving uh, real, real estate investors specifically one way or another and 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 investors more generally uh, since, you know, at least for the last 20, 20 years. And uh, d- during a lot of that time, I, I was just uh, uh, working with folks who were interested in single family housing and that sort of thing. But uh, in, in the last 10 years or so, I've really uh, kind of gravitated a lot more towards helping folks who are raising capital uh, and 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 who, uh, who who may be raising a lot of capital, but uh, d- don't necessarily have expertise at that. So, uh, what I do is, is is help those folks, and in the process, we really started to serve uh, as, as a primary uh, objective of our business. We really started to focus on serving accredited investors, as we realized that while there are a lot of good resources out there and and, and some good opportunities for people, there really isn't. Uh, Anyone who directly advocates for accredited investors and and who who, who is specifically focused on, on serving their educational needs, and so that's what we're, we're really doing these days, primarily through Accredited IQ Magazine. Got it, got it. And I just want to make sure that everybody understands what this accredited investor means. At very high level, you know, if you earn more than two hundred thousand, if you're single, or if you earn more than three hundred thousand on your on your full time uh, job, or a year, you know, you consider accredited. And of course, you have to go do that for past two years and expect to do that in the future. Or if you earn more than a, if you have assets more than a million dollars, uh, 
uh, without your primary residence also considered accredited. And there's a few other things which recently, I think SEC have uh, released, uh, which makes it much better. If you have series, uh, you know, series, series seven license, or yeah. if you are, um, you know, there's a few more requirements that they've given, uh, which opens up a lot more accredited, accredited investor definition. So, and a lot of people who invest in uh, apartments are accredited, right? So that's that's oh, yeah. the name of the game. So, yeah, absolutely. And and why do you think that is lacking? Why do you think a lot of informations are missing uh, for accredited investor? Well, it's it, it really stands to reason if you think about it. Uh, the, even though wealthy folks command a whole lot of the uh, a lot of the wealth that's out there, the available capital still the Schwabs of the world and the Fidelities of the world, they are still primarily focused on the retail market. Uh, the person who has a 401k or IRA or something like that. And, and there's a lot of money with those folks. No, no two ways about it. But uh, as, as a practical matter, until fairly recently, um, it, it just wasn't very easy to market opportunities that were specific to accredited investors. And, and so that has started to change some, but as a result of that, there's just not a lot of people who have been doing it for a really long time. And so it, it's, it's a very terribly underserved market. And that's what we aim to change. Got it. Got it. Got it. So let's go uh, into, you know, capital raising, because uh, sure. I think that's a very, sure. very good topic that you are master at. So can we talk about, um, you know, let's say someone new coming into the space and trying to raise capital from accredited investor, right? So what are the top, you know, top do's, top don'ts that they should be, you know, making sure either they do or they don't? Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm glad you said that, James, that we're talking about somebody who, who, who's probably new doing this because the way they're going to do it is radically different from someone like yourself who, who has been doing this for a long time. And I, I know you have a lot of clients who know you and like you and trust you. I, I, was, I was blown away with how quickly you were able to raise a large amount of money here, here not all that long ago. And that's just a testament to how, 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 how much your people trust you. But imagine if it was day one for you. I mean, you wouldn't have that advantage, right? And so, Absolutely. so in, in that scenario, what you've got to understand is that preparation is key. Um, you, you really should not be asking people to deploy their money with you until you have prepared very, very well to make the case to them why they should be willing to do so. But making the case is a really important thing to understand because most people assume that, that making the case starts out with spreadsheets and data and, and, and you know, uh, resumes and that sort of thing. And all of those things are important. Let's be very clear. They are important. However, if you start with those things, you're going to lose a whole lot of investors who otherwise would have liked to say yes to you. And the reason you're going to lose them is because the human mind doesn't work like that. The human brain, it starts off at an emotional level. And, and then it looks to find data and facts and reason to support the emotional proclivities of the brain. That's true for everybody, including very, very smart people. So, that's really what people need to understand to start out with is share all the information that, that your uh, potential investors will need, but do it in the right order. Otherwise you're shooting yourself in the foot. So, so let's say, let's walk through an example of presentation, right? What should be the right order? I mean, let's say 
you are presenting a deal, right? So let's say it's sure. a $10 million raise, you know, at very high level, what should be the right order or how should someone new take it through the whole process? Sure. So let's, let's, let's focus on just one piece of it uh, for a moment. Let's, let's focus on a webinar or presentation. So let's imagine that you, you have people on the line with you that are listening to your presentation. So really the, the question there is what should that pre- presentation contain? Well, what you don't want to do is you don't want to do it the way that most people do, which is to start out by saying, name of our fund is X. Um, All of the GPs are listed on the screen. Let me read you a a paragraph or so about each person's background. Um, And let me go ahead and give you the uh, legal disclaimer right now. And let's start off with a spreadsheet about uh, what we expect for this project. Um, That's how most people do it. And, and that seems rational, but it only seems rational if you're considering how people think logically, but logic isn't the first step. So for me, when, when I make a presentation like this, I always started off with what I call three powerful facts. I pick out three things about the project that are attractive. And I'll say something like, uh, welcome to this presentation, ladies and gentlemen. Got a lot to share with you today, and I want to start off with three really powerful facts. First of all, and I'll mention something such as if you're looking for a 20% ROI, if that's appropriate for the project, you're going to really enjoy this, and it's going to make sense to you why it's possible here, so stay tuned. Secondly, this is going to make it possible for you to you know, take a tax deduction for the entire amount of your investments. How many times can you do that? We'll get to that in just a few minutes as well. And then I'll give some other third fact. But the point is, I'm going to give them three reasons, three real clear benefits about this project and set what's called a hook so that they'll kind of have it in the back of their mind that that information is coming and they need to stick around to hear about it. So that's how I started. And, and doing that has proved to be very, very successful. Got it, got it, got it. And what is the, uh, so after the key things and when do we go to the spreadsheet and the numbers? Or you, do we even go detail into that? that? That information, James, is critically important. It really is. However, you've got to understand what the webinar is. The webinar is where you expose them to the big picture of your concept, of, of your project, and also give them some reason to think that it's plausible it could be really successful. This is not where you drill down into the details. So it's, it's really common for people to put spreadsheets in their presentations. And that you, you kinda, it kind of makes sense because you want to give some, some hard data to support what you're saying. But on the other hand, if you think about it, who can really actually read that spreadsheet while you're doing a presentation? Like if they're reading the spreadsheet, they're certainly not listening to you. Right, so that's a problem right there. And if they're reading the spreadsheet, they're they're really they're they're thinking at a, a level of detail that that is way 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 more narrow than what you want want to do. What you want to do at this point is get them brought, bought into the big picture. So with just about any spreadsheet, James, uh, it can be summarized by looking at two numbers: either the number in the upper left or maybe the lower left, depending on how it's structured. So up here and over here and, and then over here in the lower right, you know, the starting point and the ending point. If, if instead of giving all the details, you focus people on here's where you start, here's where you end, that gives them the information that they need to know whether, whether this is going to be 
interesting and worth, worthwhile for them to pay, pay more attention. And if, if you get them there, the beauty is that you haven't confused them and you haven't given them too much information to start picking apart your argument. You've just given them the, the overview that's going to be like a hook and you can use the rest of the presentation to reel them in so that you can convert a lot more of those leads. Got it, got it, got it. I'm sure there's a lot of nuances in, uh, you know, uh, when someone's presenting an opportunity, right? I mean, also the other thing is, I mean, we're talking about somebody new, right? Somebody who already have a trust and, you know, already have track record is slightly different. I mean, it's slightly more easier for them because, you know, the, now, the oh, results yeah. the results speaks for themselves, right? So, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's always a, a, a balancing act green doing sales versus you know justifying your numbers right and right, sometimes right. people with analytical mindset uh like to like you know put all the numbers in front of them because they feel good right so i mean um, yeah but even even with those folks uh, i, I mm-hmm. found it pretty consistently the case that even with those folks so long as you make sure that they understand that 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 data is available okay. and you and you tell them exactly where they're going to be able to get it those folks respond really well to this style too. I know because I am one of those folks. I'm an engineer by training. Yeah. And, yeah, and I know that. this is the type of presentation that ultimately I came to realize actually really works on everybody because it makes it easy to say yes. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a change in mindset, I think, right. Uh, when you're presenting, right. So, I mean, yeah, a lot and, of- and, you know, to the, to the point about, uh, new people versus people who have been doing this for a while. That's a huge point. You know, even for people who've been doing this for a while, if you're running your business correctly, you are always generating new leads. And there there should always be new people listening to you who didn't listen to you last time. So it's important to use these principles regardless of of your level of acumen and capital raising, because you're always going to be having exposure to new people who even though your reputation might be great, they might not be fully aware of it. Correct. Yeah, that's important. That's important. So let's talk about email bill, email list building, right? Uh, you know, what, what are your beliefs about why someone should focus on building an email list and new, uh, curating it, nurturing it? And how can that email list be used, uh, you know, uh, effectively? I believe with lots of evidence that, whether it's email or SMS or even direct mail. I mean, it could be any of those, but email is just the simplest and easiest and cheapest way. So we'll say email just for the sake of simplicity. But I believe that developing an email list, a prospect list, is the single most important thing that you can do in your business far and away. Um, And the second most important thing, it's a close second, is learning how to actually speak to them, to communicate to them. The reason that it's so important, uh, James, is just just think about it. Think, think about it yourself. If, if you if you were to find an opportunity today, a ten or fifteen million dollar opportunity, I happen to know about you and about your audience that if it's a good opportunity and if it's one that you're willing to put your name behind, you're not going to have any trouble raising that money. And and the reason that you're not going to have any trouble raising that money is is because you know who the people are who are interested in what you have to say. That's what your email list is at the end of the day. So the person who has a great deal, but nobody to offer it to has nothing at all. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's true. That's true. I mean, and also is, um, 
you know, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, how you you have to reach out to people who believe in you and trust you, right? I and mean, if they don't believe and trust you, they they probably unsubscribe from you. I mean, how they came, I'm not sure how they came in, but they don't find you interesting or trustworthy or don't want to listen to you. They may just unsubscribe and move on because nobody, nobody wants their email to be cluttered, right? With right. people they do not want, right? So that's awesome. So let's go into some of the, you know, you know topics that, you know, you are, you know, you can explain very well, or, or you have been wondering, uh, you know, on how things happen, or you're on your research side, right? So, sure. so let's talk about fishbowl syndrome. Why, you know, can you explain what is that fishbowl syndrome? And you know, sure. So, fishbowl syndrome is is the uh, the the title that I give to the the kind of situation that most accredited investors find themselves in. If you think about it, most accredited investors. They, because there's not a lot of places that you can go to get a broad exposure to a lot of different opportunities. Most accredited investors, they, they get their investment opportunity ideas from their friends, um, from some colleagues sometimes, and from a very small set of trusted experts and, and, and gurus and such. And that's fine. That's, that's not a bad thing. But that's a tiny fishbowl if you think about it, because if, if, if all of a person's deals are coming from one or two or three sources, and all of their potential deals are coming from one or two or three primary sources, that doesn't mean they're going to make a bad decision, but it does mean that they are radically limiting the exposure that they have to what could be really great opportunity outside of that tiny world that they're, that they're swimming in. And so that's really what the purpose of Accredited IQ Magazine is, is, is to kind of break accredited investors out of that fishbowl so, so that they will see the, the, the bigger picture out there and not, not just the really narrow frame of reference that, that their small fishbowl kind of world is, is exposing them to. I mean, I know that there are networking groups that people can go to that uh, will, will give them access to other people posting deals. And I know that there are uh, other things like that, but even so, what 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 you tend to find in those circumstances is that all of the deals are largely the same deal. Uh, they are they're they're different in, in in detail and degree, but not much more than that. So sometimes it can be a really wonderful opportunity to be able to have your your frame of reference expand much more broadly, so that you can see opportunities that never would have been. Uh, offered to you in any way otherwise without that got it whether you're going to be active or passive investor the choice is up to you we offer both courses here once you sign up you're going to be part of this exclusive real estate investment community and you're going to go you're going to go to know a lot more details a lot more insider secrets that is not really shown or thought outside and I want you to make sure that you go and click on the link below, fill up the form, and I see you on the other side. Got it, got it. And let's talk about, uh, you know, some of the psychological manipulations that accredited investors, uh, you know, got, yeah, tri- sure. got tricked into. So can you give some explanations or some uh, examples of that, that, you know, yeah, investors absolutely. need to be aware of it? So let, 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 me, let me give you an example of a good ethical use of a particular strategy and then how that strategy is manipulated a lot of times. One of the things that I, that I teach my clients to do is, you know, if, if you have a project where you, you have a, 
legitimate reason to expect, say, a 20% return on investment. Well, that's depending on your, your frame of reference, that, that could be a pretty good number, right? So, but, but without some sort of point of comparison, it's just nebulous, really. It's not, it, 20% doesn't really mean anything. But what if, what if you happen to know that 20% is twice as much as the S&P 500 or twice as much as what Warren Buffett did over a certain period of time? Well, now 20% means something. Now, by the way, I'm not saying that's necessarily true about either one of those uh, points of comparison. Um, but if, if you know that this thing is doing twice as well as this thing and this thing you already respect, now this thing is a lot more attractive. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So that's a legitimate approach to take to, to make sure that your ROI number is, is, a, is well understood for being as valuable as it is. But what if a person... I happen to know Warren Buffett, for example, his stock price during the first 20 years of this dec- of this century from 2000 to 2000 to the beginning of 2020, his stock price uh, went up only about 9.9, maybe, maybe just shy of 10% during that whole time. Well, that's a long period of time, right? So that's 20 years is a reasonable period of time to, to compare to. But what if somebody wanted to compare to Warren Buffett and instead they only took Three months during 2020, when the entire stock market was absolutely falling apart, would that be a legitimate thing for them to compare to? To say, I'm making 20%, but Warren Buffett, he's losing 15%. Well, is it true what they said? Yes, but in a very, very narrow frame of reference. So it's true in fact, but it's highly deceptive in effect. And so that's an example of, of how uh, of how accredited investors could be given totally true information and still be terribly misled by it. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. There, you're right. I mean, the information can be represented in many ways, right? And um, yeah, it can be deceptive. Right? So yeah, and you, you know, a, another one that uh, is 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 very common. Mm-hmm. This this one is not as black and white as that one. So you you, you got to look into it a little bit more deeply, but. Uh, a lot of the times you see uh, folks who have uh, who, who are GPs or who are uh, project sponsors to establish credibility for themselves, they'll they'll put the logos of a bunch of news organizations or, or magazines or whatever that they, they say they've been published in. Maybe they have. Um, I, I do that uh, because I have been published uh, on Forbes.com. I have been published at Entrepreneur. I have been published at The Street. And, you know, lots of others. But what a lot of people do is they will, they'll make a, uh, they'll, they'll make a, uh, uh, a press release and send the press release out. And that's a pretty reliable way to get your press release published on just about any type of, of, of news organization that you really want to. And then, then what the less honest ones will do is that, that they'll put those logos all over their there's stuff saying essentially that, you know, implying that there's some sort of an endorsement. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to publish uh, press releases. I'm not even saying it's wrong to, to use those logos so long as you're clear about what they really are. But if a person is just putting those up there to, to steal that credibility, then that's a good indicator about the, the, uh, the ethics of that person. And you, 
you, you might think hard about them and whether, whether you want to be involved with them. Yeah, well, I agree. I mean, uh, when I was publishing my book, I mean, I did hire a marketing person and they did that, yeah. right? They put all, you know, Fox, CNN, then, but I never published it because I don't feel good. I mean, it's, it's not really true that I was published it that in that network. So yeah, they put, yeah, they did a press release, a small release in a, in a, in a, in a big uh, news network. But yeah, I mean, I just didn't feel good about, you know, using that images with all these logos, you know, my face at the back. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times my investors or accredited investors, they, they can read this, they can read it through very clearly whether you are a, a legit guy, a trustworthy guy, right? So, sure. so I didn't even use any of those, right? Because I didn't feel good. Even though they gave me all that, I didn't really use it. Um, Sure, um, sure. So, but, but you're right. I mean, um, it can be, you know, a bit, uh, you know, looked it, at it differently. It's a gray area. You just gotta, gray... you just gotta be careful and, and make yeah. sure that, that, that you really understand what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Like you, when you see a salesman coming to your house, hey, you really hope that this guy is not true, right? Because you do not know them. You don't have the relationship. Right. You don't have the trust and all that. So it's very difficult to establish right. that, right? So. Um, let's let's look at other things, right? So, what about the um, you know? I mean, you have been doing this self-directed, you know, uh, investor magazine for really long time, right? Yep. So, can you share with our audience some of the secrets on self-directed IRA or four hundred one k? You know, some some things that you know you, that it's not very easily available to outside uh, or normal people. Oh, sure. And, and, you know, since we've been talking about accredited investors or higher net worth folks, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of stick with, with that specific world because there are some things that are relevant to them that aren't relevant to other people. Got it. Um, got it. You know, so I, James. So are you what, saying even an, even an IRA world, there are some things that are relevant to accredited oh, sure. investors? Oh, okay. yeah, sure. Sure. Okay. sure. Okay. Um, so one of the things that I have observed, James, is, is that for, for folks who are on, on the you know, there, there are people who are accredited investors, but just barely. And, and then there are those who are kind of a little bit higher up the wealth scale. Um, for the, those who are a little bit higher up the wealth scale, I've, I've seen over and over again that uh, retirement accounts really, they, they, they fund and use retirement accounts, but not because they have any intention of using it during retirement, but because they have uh, the intention of, of using it as a vehicle to pass on money to their to future generations. Now, that's really common, um, really, really common among the, the, the really high net worth uh, folks uh, who, who use IRAs or 401ks. It's a little less common now uh, because some of the, it's not quite as favorable as it used to be, but it's, it's still a good thing. But, you know, uh, there, there are a couple of things that, that, I, would, that I would say, and, and one of them is that there is this belief that the stated maximum contributions for an IRA or a 401k, for example, that there's no way that you can do differently than that, that you can exceed that amount of, of contribution in, in any given year. And I would say that that's absolutely correct just about all of the time, unless you are working with a, uh, a, a good attorney who understands the, the, real specifics of the rules and the laws in, in that case, if you are just imagine, just imagine what it would, would be like if it was possible to put a lot more money than the $6,000 or so that an IRA limits you to, or the 50 ish thousand dollars that a 401k limits you to imagine if you could do many times that. 
many, many times that and, and it be okay. Well, sometimes you can, but these aren't things that are, are broadly known or, or, or broadly applicable. So what you need is, is a, a, a tax lawyer who knows that specific realm of tax law really, really, really well, right? So that's, that's one thing that uh, is, makes, makes them more relevant to uh, higher net worth individuals. And another thing is, I'm, I'm not going to talk about the details of how, how this is done because it's, it's a very complicated thing, but just to plant a seed, imagine, imagine if it was possible to put money into a traditional account, like a traditional 401k, for example, where you get a, a tax benefit for putting the money in. But somehow the, the, the profit from that type of a transaction somehow ends up accruing in a Roth account. It's, it's almost like having your cake and eating it too. Now, not everybody can do that, but some of the higher net worth folks can do that. And there again, that's, that's the sort of thing that we deal with in accredited IQ magazine because those sorts of, of techniques and topics just aren't well covered in, in the broader world out there. But the power of that, just think of the power of that. I mean, it's overwhelming. And you put those two things together where you can put in a lot more money and, and now all of the, the or a lot of the, the profits are accruing in the Roth side, even though you put a lot of money in the traditional side, it's astounding. Like it's astounding. So there are a few tips and tricks like that, that, uh, that, that are beyond the norm that are incredibly powerful and are only relevant to high net worth investors. Yeah. I mean, I, I've never heard you know, both of that, right? That's, that's really, I mean, I've talked to many guests, uh, you know, many speakers, you know, nobody have mentioned that. So that's definitely new information, right? So, and, and uh, so let's go to another topic. I mean, I, I mean, you know, we, I, I do real estate and, you know, you yeah. raise a lot of money for real estate investors. Why do you think real estate is a good asset uh, class, right? At a high level, right? Uh, compared to bonds and stocks and other investments like, um, you know, for high net worth investors? Well, uh, I'm certainly not going to speak ill of bonds or stocks or mutual funds, but look, I mean, if you want, if you want to just look at data, look at the Tiger 21 survey. The Tiger, Tiger 21 is, the, is, is a networking group where essentially you have to have a provable net worth of $10 million or more to even, uh, to even be admitted. They do a, a survey every quarter of the, of, of the asset base of, of their uh, investors. And basically, every quarter forever, um, real estate's always been the number one asset class. More, more of their wealth is focused in real estate than anything else, including stocks, including mutual funds and bonds. Now, that is, uh, that, that, that is uh, just hard data. It doesn't lead to a conclusion necessarily. But what I would say is that it leads to a suggestion, and a good suggestion, that real estate is something that is not ignored and is taken very seriously by high net worth investors because it is the single largest store of wealth for that particular group of people. And it's a large group. It's not a networking group of 50 people, for example. There are a lot of them. So it's a statistically useful uh, survey. So uh, there are tax benefits. Uh, there is a possibility for capital appreciation. There, there is income potential. And, and, and frankly, it's the real estate is an asset class that, that one would be a fool to ignore. That's my humble but entirely accurate opinion. 
Got it. Got it. Got it. Well, awesome. I mean, um, um, I mean, uh, I want to, you know, thank you for coming on the show and I want to give you the opportunity to, you know, uh, promote your magazine and talk to our audience about how to get hold of you. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, um, uh, my magazine is accredited IQ and, uh, uh, James has worked it out to uh, provide you guys with a, uh, a, a complimentary subscription to it just because you're his listener. Yep. The way that you get that is to text his name, text James to 678-888-4000. 678-888-4000. Text James to 678-888-4000. And you will uh, receive instructions on, on how to uh, get a free subscription to accredited IQ magazine. So you can learn about some of these some of these topics and, and have exposure to a broader collection of investment opportunities as well. So is that a, a physical book, a physical magazine or is that a, it is both. It is a physical magazine and it is a, uh, a, a an electronic magazine as well. So yes. Awesome. And, awesome. Uh, and accredited investors get, uh, get, get a, a copy of the physical magazine. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Uh, and well, listeners get that for free. Oh, cool, cool, cool. So thanks for doing that. Um, oh, thank, that's it. I mean, uh, thank you so much for coming in. You add tons and tons of value. There's so much of information that, you know, I've never heard about it before. And and I'm sure my listeners is going to be enjoying this episode. My, my pleasure, James. Thanks so much. And if you ever want to drill down into any of these a lot more, I'd be happy to come back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, James. <laughs>